0: Everything's waiting for you. You just have to believe it's possible. I'm Karen Vaughan. This is the Get Off the Bench podcast, and here is where your courageous life starts. Uh, Hey guys, and welcome back to another week of the Get Off The Bench podcast. I hope you've had a great week and hope you've done a few things that uh, are stretching your boundaries and just chasing the dreams that you've had for a while and just back yourself. Really, trust me. Now, I've got an amazing person on the phone today. It's uh, Jessica Matthews. So Jessica is from Michigan, where she is a language arts teacher at a secondary school, but her teaching doesn't stop there. She plays a major role in teaching her students about impactful activism and is herself a racial, environmental justice and institutional racism activist. In 2017, Jessica was named a finalist for the NEA's Social Justice Activist of the Year for her work on the Flint water crisis. Jessica has done national interviews, projects, protests and community actions to speak out for those affected by this issue. In celebration of her activism work, Jessica was named the 2018 Secondary English Teacher of the Year from the Michigan Council of Teachers of English and the 2018 National Sanford Award winner for, the, for being the most inspirational teacher in Michigan. That's, that's incredible. Recently, Jessica was awarded Regional Teacher of the Year from the state of Michigan and was the finalist for the Michigan Teacher of the Year 2019-2020. So as you can see, Jessica is no ordinary teacher. But not only does Jessica have numerous university degrees and study honours to her name, she is a prominent member of the writing community. So in 2013, Jessica won a national contest sponsored by Mana Publishing and was named the 2013 Passion for Poetry Writer. After winning this prestigious award, Jessica was able to publish her first poetry collection called Simply, A Collection of Poetry. In 2015, she published her memoir, 318, A Chubby Chick's Tale of Weight Loss Surgery. Now that sounds interesting. We'll get into that. She co-wrote her first play, Appointments, in 2017, which features a focus on the Flint water crisis. She has also had a writing published in the Nia magazine, Pure Hiker, Mighty Magazine, and is now a blogger for Teaching Tolerance. Wow, there's a lot of stuff there. Welcome, Jessica. How are you?
1: I am wonderful. Thank you for having me on.
0: Oh, that's my pleasure. Wow, that's a lot of uh, accolades there. It's a list. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> it's amazing. And, and uh, you know, as I was reading it, I was thinking, oh, the Flint water crisis, there's going to be a lot of Americans who, who know about that, but not the rest of the world. So, and it's a pretty serious issue. So we'll, we'll hope we get into that during this, but okay. And, and you're in Michigan right now, and you're just telling me before it's extremely warm there.
1: Yes, it is. Well, 96 degrees Fahrenheit in Michigan. Wow. Uh, so those people who think Michigan's cold, like we're cold all the time, uh, yep. we are not. We have every type of weather and season. That's one of the cool things about our state. But it is hot, and it's going to be this way for two weeks. Oh, wow. Yeah, with no rain. So this is going to be interesting.
0: Yeah, that'll be a nice struggle. Yes. Mm, I was in uh, Michigan in October, which is last year when I, when I met you, mm-hmm. and I went to uh, into Detroit, and it was freezing. It wasn't mm-hmm. snowing, but uh, and we, it it rained, and I had sneakers on, you know, runners on, and. They were full of water. My coat was full of water, (laughs) and oh, I ended up so sick. (laughs) You
1: never know with November in Michigan because it can be that way, or it can be warm, or you you just really don't. You really don't know what's coming. We just know it's all coming. We just don't know when it's coming.
0: (laughs) Well, they say that about here too, where I live in Australia. It's um, you've got to have wear layers every day and take Mm -hmm. them off as you go. Yeah, you know can be raining one minute and cold and it can, you know, drop 10 degrees in, in, in a few minutes. So yes, that is Michigan. It's, yeah. <laughs> well, we get each other.
1: <laughs> it's funny because the saying in Michigan is if you don't like the weather, wait 10 minutes.
0: Yeah, that's the same here. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, that's the same. Ah, oh, that's awesome. Now, look, tell us about your journey to social justice activism and where the courage came from to truly address issues, you know, head on because you... You're making an incredible mark, and you're really sort of starting a movement with you know your students and young activists. So tell us about the journey that led to that.
1: I think my my dad kind of prepared me for this journey. He has always had me watching and reading different things of powerful activists ever since I was little. Uh, but I really didn't need the the skills that I built up from his guidance until the water crisis hit in Flint, Michigan. I am a citizen of Flint. So I am a person who's affected for, by it. And um, we all were um, poisoned with lead poisoning. Wow. And it affected people at different levels. So I guess I should explain how the water crisis happened. <laughs> Um yeah, yeah. The water crisis happened in my city because they switched the water source. Our original water source was from um, near Detroit, and they decided to switch it to a local water source, um, the Flint River, because of money. Mm. So the switch was made um, by the higher-ups of Michigan at that time, and they switched to the Flint River without giving it treatment. It turned out the treatment, I I think it was around $100 a day. Uh, They didn't want to have to pay that money going cheap, so they switched to the Flint River, and uh, the Flint River was too acidic for the pipes because our infrastructure's old, because America has an old infrastructure, and the acidity in the water stripped the pipes, and the lead got in the water, and everyone in Flint ended up drinking it without knowing what was going on and how damaging the effects and there were some amazing people who were very persistent to push that something was wrong with the water source and when everything got out there were around 90,000 people who were poisoned Um, and I am one of them along with um, a number of family members and friends and it has affected people in different ways for some people no effects have shown up but there's a possibility of it happening later on in life Um, for some people um, i've had students with loss of hair um, dental problems Uh, there's going to be an issue with young people with um, their cognitive and emotional behavior because it affects that Uh, miscarriages a number of different issues come from from this choice of choosing money over over humans so this Mm -hmm. happened over six years ago and i remember the moment where i officially was just like i can't sit back and not say anything do anything i um we used to have to get water from places called pods um -hmm. which stand for places of distribution And that is where you would go to get water because we couldn't drink the water out of the pipes. We still aren't supposed to drink the water out of the pipes. So there was a moment where I'm going after work and I'm walking to my closest pod and I'm looking at all these different people who are going in and it's like people from all walks of life. You see like some women with children and you see some families and I remember there was this gentleman who came in the same time as I, he was wearing a business suit, so you're seeing all these different people coming to this location and when you went to the location they gave you two packs of water and they gave you a lead um, poisoning testing kit for your water to send it in and information about the effects of lead poisoning and how it could affect you and I remember feeling like I was in a third world country Mm. and it horrified me because I mean like water is a very basic right that everyone no matter where we're located in this world you should have Mm. and it just kept bothering me more and more and And, you know, I started reading up on it because, of course, teachers thats what we do. We start researching things and (laughs) learning, you know, more than just like the basic news they're putting in front of you, but really digging into lead poisoning and how it would affect some of my students. And I started to say, well, if I'm going to do anything, I have to use the talents that I have. And one of my talents is I'm a teacher. And so when you teach, you inspire. And I thought this was my opportunity to not only have a voice out there with using my other talent, which is writing, but to inspire young people to stand up and tell their stories. And Mm. so it just kind of took off from there. I also was doing some work at Michigan State University, um, and I I read this fabulous book called The Activist Learner, and it talks about how do you bring activism into your classroom. So everything kind of fell into place. Mm. And, and plus, I like doing crazy stuff. So um, <laughs> it just kind of went from there and it, it took off with me and especially my students doing amazing work and incredible things that I n- never could have imagined my first part of teaching. And, um, and, it, and it's still going because the water crisis is not officially over. They still need to replace some pipes. Um, we still have to use water filters. Um, or bottled water. There's a fear of water drinking out of the tap in this community, and we mm. still need to make a number of plans on how to help in the long run with the effects of lead poisoning.
0: Mm. Wow. It's it's criminal, actually, isn't it?
1: Very. Um, yeah. They still have not... Um, there's still different legal cases that are going on to hold the people who made these decisions accountable. Mm. It's been going on for quite some time. Um, And then we have to think about the physical, emotional, mental destruction that's happened Mm -hmm. to anyone who not only lived here, but people who worked in Flint as well. Because like I said, we were all drinking water because that's what we do, right? Like you Mm. go to the tap and you drink it and um, and then you find out that you have been taking in a substance for quite a while um, that could, I mean, essentially hurt your your lifestyle or kill
0: you. Mm, that's incredible. Mm-hmm. But it is it is being resolved because of activist action, like yes. slowly or yeah, yes. that's fantastic. There's,
1: there's been people who have stood up from the very beginning. I don't think this would even have been a bigger other than outside of flint without the hard work of a number of individuals that spoke up when no one wanted to listen Mm. and i give all respect to those people who pushed and scientists who came in who said you know there's there there is a problem you know without those people it would have just been this problem contained here that people would have been like what do you mean your water's bad water is not bad you know what I mean
0: Mm, and and
1: it wouldn't have blown up the way that it did
0: wow so, it's, you know, a lot of people say, what's the point in standing up? You know, nobody listens, but I'm only one person. But it's, it's, it's not true. You, you know, one person here and one person there, and, you know, eventually all the dots line up, you know, and, and all the dots connect. And it really makes a difference if people stand up. I agree 100%. It, makes a huge difference. it does. So, how, how impressionable do you think you've been on your students? Like, do they really, do they think, oh, here she goes again? Or do they think, yes, let's go?
1: No, they think I'm a rebel. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's awesome.
1: <laughs> and they know I am, you know, it's it, which is yeah. okay. Uh, I don't get much of like, oh, here she goes again. Because one thing that kids know, and I, I make it very clear to them when they first come into my room, is I am always about fighting against oppressive systems.
0: Good. And... Yeah.
1: I was like, that's that's what I'm very passionate about because I believe you should contribute to all of mankind. So I was like, you will know when I'm passionate about things. Kids know. Like they crack up because they're like, oh, yep, she's on our soapbox, you know. <laughs> um, but I also said, I want to be a person that can ignite that passion in you and I'm listening to the things you're passionate about. So with my students, no, they, they know I'm pretty unpredictable. Um, they, they know that I'm going to say what I have to say. I don't care if people necessarily agree, um, but I'm also going to be saying things that are for the betterment of, of mankind.
0: Mm. Well, I, I definitely know that your students love you because when I met you in October at the Hero Roundtable Conference in Michigan, uh, you know, most teachers go and do their thing and their students roll their eyes, but not your students. They were a whole big bunch of them sitting in the audience, cheering and clapping for you. And, and it's funny because was... they're
1: not mine. Those were not my kids.
0: Oh, really? <laughs> they were so they're, happy. Yeah.
1: But they're they are Flint kids. You know, they're Flint, yeah. the Flint, Town Connection. And they were from Hamity, which is about 15 minutes away from my school. Yeah. Um, but they knew who I was like they had heard things and 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 that's what's cool is like when you know you're doing the good work it is they don't have to be your kids kids see through yep. adults they see through us
0: yeah they do yeah. and
1: so those kids knew like that's why they were you know coming to talk and things like that and uh, and plus the flint connection we flint people are tough people but we also are very loving as well and when you see someone who's doing well like you want to celebrate them
0: yeah yeah well, I could see it. They were they were cheering, and they just thought you were itting a bit. They you were the hero, and I thought that was beautiful. That that they really were touched me. Shout out yes. to Hamity
1: kids because they were awesome.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's gorgeous. And and you know when you you talk about Flint, like it's some people know, some people don't, you know, but Flint's had a terrible reputation, you know, yeah. and at one point was the, um like, the murder capital of, well, mm-hmm. you know, called the murder capital of um, America. So do you think that's got better um because people have come together because of the crisis, or do you think that's put an added strain on that kind of reputation? I
1: think there's, that so many people have put so many layers onto Flint, um, you know, and I'm not going to be on here and try and be like, like, no, we don't have my, yeah, of course, like, we, we've had our crime problems. We also had the problems when GM left. Um, that was mm. crippling to our economy. And so the thing is, is there's been so many layers placed upon people who live in Flint, like the crime, GM leaving, the water crisis. Now we have COVID with the pandemic. It hit mm. really hard with the city too. But the one thing that people cannot deny about people who are from Flint is we don't break.
0: Mm. We, we
1: find a way. Like we always find a way. There's a that's what the toughness part of us is, is is we've had so many obstacles that mm. could tear us down or make you not even want to put forth the effort to just go day to day. But Flint people always find a way. Like that's that's one of the reasons why I've stayed in the city as long as I have, is I love that Flint is full of persistently tough people. Mm. But on the other side, it's filled with absolutely loving people. Like there are people who will community wise that will just pour love into you in so many different ways. And there's so many amazing families that I've come across with my you know teaching career. And, and like I said, my family has been rooted in Flint for a very long time. Um, it's 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 both it's not one the media loves to do the one side yeah without um, showing the loving side like of course in Australia I know people haven't been able to see some of the protests of smaller cities that are going on with the different things going on with George Floyd right now mm. but a couple weeks ago the the town that was out for people to go whoa look they're doing it right where Yes, there's protests going on, and yes, there's marches going on, but there was no destruction, and, and the police chief joined the march, and it yeah. was like genuine conversations. The first city that happened in was Flint.
0: Mm. Yes, we did see that, actually. Okay, good.
1: A- so that's cool. So that that's the other side of the coin that I wish they would show mm. uh, because it's like people are sitting back and having – genuine beautiful conversations and and even i'm talking about conversations even with government officials and with police and saying okay what do we need to be if we have to be the example to move this let's do it that's the side of flint i see more often
0: yeah well that's a beautiful side we we did see that you know okay. we saw. I'm it. glad we, you We did. see well, <laughs> we see tons of um American news, you know, and American yeah. clips on on Facebook and everywhere else, and on the news and everything. And you know, some of it, some of this um, you know, destruction is is. You know, mind blowing. It's like it's like a third world country. You know, mm-hmm. but when we saw, you know, I was particularly touched by that sheriff. You know, that went out yes. and said, "Come on," took his mm-hmm. helmet off, said, "Come on, we're going to march together." Mm-hmm. You know, we're we're here together, and that was that was a great example of, mm-hmm. of how it should be or could be, you mm-hmm. know, and he was he was white too, you know, he mm-hmm. wasn't sort of – he was just saying, come on, guys, we're all together yep. and let's march this together and I think that's wonderful and it, it's it, – there's absolutely the, – the whole George Floyd thing and the whole, you know, um, the, the racism thing is just it, – it's mind-blowing that mm-hmm. we're living in this time and we're still looking at skin colour, you know, that yeah. we're still segregating people and we're still – judging by that kind of thing mm-hmm. it's, um, but and then, then there's talk you know well should they go so far as to riot and should they go so f- which you know I think that's extreme on the other hand mm-hmm. um, when you've had so much oppression for so long you know it's like putting a bear in a cage and saying well don't fight back yes you know there's there's got to be um there's got to be a degree of some kind of uprisal, mm-hmm. you know, to to make a change, to make mm-hmm. people take notice. So it's a very, very sensitive, touchy issue. What What are your thoughts on it? I mean, you yourself are a, I, I don't know whether you call yourself a black woman or a person of color, or you know, but you know, you're you're in that group that that wants to make a change. So mm-hmm. how does it all feel for you?
1: I um definitely black woman. The scenario yep. is focused on my blackness and how that blackness is trying to survive day to day in America. Um, mm. I agree one hundred percent. Like when people start to talk about the riots, and I told people, "Am when I go to protests, am I tearing up things? No, I'm not. Mm. But I understand that rage. Yeah, I understand that anger. We all have that anger, and." It, and one thing that I'm, I've am i learned in the last month is I am absolutely willing to have these conversations with people who are willing to listen. But in America, there's a number of people who have already formulated their opinion and they're just listening to contradict. I will not have any more conversations with people like that. Mm. I, I, I can't give so many analogies of why my life matters the same as yours, you know? Yep. Like, but I have told people, I should not have to stress about going for a walk. Mm -hmm. I shouldn't have to stress when I get in my car to drive on the expressway. I shouldn't tense up every time I see a cop. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: I I should be able to sleep in my bed and not worry about getting shot by a cop Mm -hmm. who comes and breaks into my home. But each one of these situations that happen automatically makes me sit back and live in an intense fear. Mm. And none of that is fair, No. No, none of it. And it's not like anything that I've personally done, it is just because I am a black woman. Mm. So why would that be okay? It doesn't matter how many times people, like I've, and I've had these, I've had people who have known me my entire life who are just like, but all lives matter. I'm like, no, you're not listening. Black lives matter when people say that statement is not saying only black lives matter. Black people have never said only black lives matter. Mm. What we've said is is during this time and for the last 400 years, there have been so many oppressive structures that have been put against us
0: mm.
1: where we can't just live. And we can't fix it by ourselves because if we could, we would have done it a long time ago.
0: Yeah. There
1: has to be some accountability and acceptance and some fight from white people to say, hey, these systematic oppressions that have gone on for generation and generation cannot be allowed. Mm. And it, it should make sense, but for some mm. people, they don't want to hear it.
0: Well, some people have got very deep-rooted belief systems and it, it conflicts them and challenges them, but it's um it's not about that. And I, I can't stand white supremacy. I cannot mm. stand it. But it's not about your belief system. It's about that that humans we all bleed red. Do you know, we all have mm-hmm. feelings, we all feel, we all have family, we all have fears, we all love. Do You, you know, and it's just, it, it's, everyone just needs to, I can't understand why we can't get along. I can't understand why we can't have equality or equity. Do you know? It just, uh, yeah. It's, it it's very sense.
1: draining. Yes. <laughs> and I know this isn't just an American problem. This is a world problem for anyone. And I was using mm. the term black, because with black i'm talking about the experiences of everyone no matter if it's african-american caribbean you know wherever you are anyone who has a black skin tone this is a problem everywhere yes it is and it's one of those things of if you're not willing to listen and hear our experiences and process and more importantly be like okay how can i help and what steps can we do to do this nothing's going to change in America. We're about to explode. Like this is it. Yeah. This is the moment. Yeah. And what keeps happening is, is there are a number of white people who cheat, who keep trying to deflect mm. to other things. So like they'll say black lives matter. Well, but what, but we're all my, no, 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 no. You're not listening. Or people with George Floyd who are like, but he did all these different crimes. Look, black people did not choose George Floyd. Mm the oppressive system of the police doing what they did chose George Floyd. Mm. Like there's, I don't under, I didn't understand you had to have a resume to be a martyr. You know what I mean? Like that, that, that doesn't make sense to me. And so if everyone's watching that and going, that's really terrible, but me with my black experience of saying, this is also, this is very terrible, but this is also very frightening and this is also mm. what i feel i am going to be at any waking moment and this is also what's happened within that oppressive system with police brutality and by the way like there's a ton of oppressive systems mm. other than police brutality but this is of course our focus yeah. um and if i'm saying all these things and you're just looking at me blankly and <laughs> and just being like oh but 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 what about this you're not you know, of course, I would get so angry that I explode. And when I explode, I might tear some things up. <laughs> and so that's why I'm saying with riots that I'm not going to any protests, any, any plans of tearing up any cars or anything like that. But I can absolutely understand that rage. Yep. Yep. So I get tenor. it.
0: Yep. Well, it's like pinning someone down, isn't it? And then yes. expecting them you know, to not fight back. I mean, I just, of course they're going to fight back. I think, mm-hmm. well, I'm, I'm just, I'm so ha- so happy that there are people like you that are, you know, a, a standing up and taking action, but there need to be a lot more white people, you yes. know, on your side. There yes. really does. So. There
1: has to be white people who are willing to listen and then yeah. also go, okay, what steps do we need to be taking in order for you to not feel this, this, pressure on your life not white people who take it upon themselves and hop up and say well this is the initiative and this is what we're going to do we're not looking for white savior complex that's not Mm. that's not what's being looked for what's being looked for is like finding people who will genuinely listen to you and then be like okay how are we going to work together to Mm. shut it down and i i'm very lucky i have some very fantastic white colleagues, white friends, like white allies, even more importantly, white accomplices who are willing to do this. They've been doing it before now,
0: Mm. but
1: they're, they're willing to say, you need, you deserve a better life. Your students deserve a better life. The next generation deserves a better life. What are we going to do?
0: Yep. And I think it's about using whatever you... A lot of people might feel, well, I don't know what to do. You know, I don't... Mm-hmm. But everyone's got a voice. I mean, for me, I've got this podcast platform, do you, you know. And right. so for me to put your voice on there, well, you know, from here, that's the best I can do. Or maybe mm-hmm. I can do better. But that's, that's using one of my, you know, something that I've got to, right. help, to help you share. And I think that if we all look at what we've got, we've all got something, you know, yes. some way. We've got social media. You know, to be sharing things. Mm-hmm. And so if everybody stepped up, we'd um, we'd start to make some progress. But I think we are making progress. But we we are. We just got to keep
1: go. pushing. And it's yep. not, you know, it's not a fad. I'm constantly telling mm-hmm. people, like, Black Lives Matter is not a fad. It's not a hashtag that needs to be trending. It, it's mm-hmm. something that, it's a way of life. Yep. And it does take a lot of time, especially from people who are white, to sit back and evaluate, like you were just saying. A friend of mine, one of my closest friends, Vera, um, her way that she thought about her own personal racist statements and how she's taken up space, she mm-hmm. said today on Facebook, which was absolutely lovely, she says she always puts up like funny videos. And the weird thing is her videos is she's talking to me. And she put up, she says, I'm not going to be putting up videos. And she's like, it's not for me to stop, like, you know, being funny and things like that. She goes, it's for me to stop taking up space away from the messages that we should be listening to. During this Mm -hmm. time, you should be listening to the message of Black Lives Matter. Me as a white woman, I am supposed to make this space. And Mm -hmm. I'm making it now by saying I'm not putting up the videos to entertain you. I'm forcing you to go listen to narratives of the black people in your community, or you know, black people or other people of color, and saying you have to listen. Yep, that's such a small move, but it's such a powerful move.
0: Mm, it is actually. I'm just thinking, you know, I do a, a song every night on Facebook, and you know, and and a few times I've uh, made comments about the Black Lives Matter thing, but you've you've made me think, yeah, maybe mm-hmm. I can you know, maybe I can use that space a little more. Right,
1: like how can you be intentional in putting the message out? Yeah. We all can do it in different ways. We all have different God-given talents. Yeah. You should be using it to make the world a better place. If we're just doing it to, you know, amuse our own personal, like, look at me thing, then no. Mm-hmm. Um, I, like I said to my dad, right before I hopped on this podcast, he called me and he's like, you're doing yet another podcast. Cause I'm, I've been so busy. <laughs> I've been so busy with podcasts and articles and, you know, things like that. Yeah. And, um, I told him, I was like, dad, I don't, I don't do any of this stuff for me. Yeah. Like it's never ever about me. It, it's about, I've been blessed to be given a platform to talk about education to talk about black lives matter, to talk about all kinds of different things. If I turn it down, I'm not helping the cause and I'm not being on the right side of history. Mm. So the things that I do, I only do things that will put me on the right side of history. Mm. If it's not that, I don't do it.
0: Yeah, well, I appreciate you um, coming on this one because, you know, I've got an audience that uh, wouldn't, wouldn't necessarily understand all these things do you, mm-hmm. you know like mm-hmm. we don't have we don't have it in our face all the time so right. and and people I know the people listening to this want to care do you know they want to know and mm-hmm. but to hear it from your mouth you know is so much more powerful mm-hmm. than just reading stories and you know that sort of stuff so right. you know I, I know that you'll be touching many people just by being on this one so I really truly appreciate you you doing this for us it's, I picked you, know,
1: you on purpose <laughs> <laughs> I, hope, I, I hope that the message gets nice and loud and um the message doesn't need to be just with people who I see every day or people who are in my community like this is a worldwide need and Mm. by being here with you and having this conversation if this is helping someone then I'm on the right side of history
0: yeah and I agree I think you know I always think about this with all of my music with my podcast with my writing with my workshops everything you know you've you've only got to it affect one person, do you, mm-hmm. you know? And that's success because you never know you you never know who you're going to impact and who they're going to tell or what action they're going to take. So, yep. you know, everything's everything's worth it. But this is a it's a really really big issue, and I. You know, I, I can't wait for the day. I, I always bang on about we just need an equal world. We just need everybody to love yeah. each other. And sometimes I think I'm living in fantasy world. But at the same time, I, you know, sometimes I say, what's the point? It's never going to happen. There's so many bad forces. And you know, it takes me about two minutes to say no. Get, mm-hmm. get back up there. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> you, you you cannot back down. But
1: because it is hard.
0: It's hard, yeah.
1: Yeah, it's really hard. Uh, my my good friend from work, Mike. Um, when he did his first protest, he actually came over to my house and, um, we're, we're chatting about things and he's like, I feel like, like I'm anxious and, you know, I feel like I might be uncomfortable and, you know, I'm put in my space that I'm not used to. And, and, you know, I, I let him say everything and he had every right to feel the way he felt. Mm. And then I said, well, Mike, how would you like to live that? Mm. And he kind of looked at me and he's like, what do you mean? I said, well, being a black person in America, you are always feeling uneasy. You're always feeling anxious. You're always feeling nervous. You're always feeling a little displaced, especially if you're in a very white space. Mm -hmm. I said, Michael, you you can have like these feelings right now and you can go to that protest and you can get over it or you can Mm -hmm. feel those and it gets intensified. And you can leave and go home because you're a white man. Yep. I was like, remember that you are blessed and you are very privileged to just say it's just a moment and it's not a lifestyle.
0: Yep. And I think, as a white person myself, you know, we do forget that we do. Mm -hmm. You know, it's um, we 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 do care. Like, well, I'm speaking for myself and for the Mm -hmm. white people who really care for your what you you know what what you're facing. We do care, and there's no doubt about that. And Mm -hmm. we do speak up. However we don't live it do you know Thanks. and and it's um there is a sense of guilt for me there is you know i i i can't stand white supremacy but uh, you know it wouldn't make sense for me to give up my white privilege either do you, you know because <laughs> i've it gives me a platform to speak up but yes. it's it's we're not living it you know so mm-hmm. uh, and the best and we never will well unless the tables were turned and uh, that would be our own problem then if mm-hmm. it did happen but it's it's i think that we just there's nothing we can do to change the fact that you know well none of us can change our skin color none of us can change where we're at but it's you know we at least as you say we can listen, we can empathize, we can act do you mm-hmm. know and we can we could but we can never at the moment anyway be in your shoes you mm-hmm. know so the best we can do is is empathize and listen and feel do you mm-hmm. know and and I think if we can feel to that depth, it, it helps us to act, you know, more impactfully. Right. But that's the best we can do. And it, it seems you know, there's a lot of guilt attached to that, but mm-hmm. we can't change that. You know, mm-hmm. it, it's it's a, it's a very complex, very, very complex um situation. It really it, is. It, it really is. And I guess at the end of the day, if we can... Just make love our major focus—love and acceptance. Do mm-hmm. you know we're, we're we're a good way there. Mm-hmm. But, um, anyway, we'll keep we'll keep at it. But right. um, so you as a teacher, because um, a lot of your students are black, like yeah. Flint is a quite a black, you know, um, population. Mm-hmm. But ha, um, so you're seeing that kind of education. So what I'm what I'm getting at here is what do you do you think there's some disparity in the US education system that is um, like like big gaps between classes of people and races of people in the quality of education or you, you know how much is spent on white education compared to black you know towns and that sort mm-hmm. of
1: stuff absolutely 100% education is and I I serve in education and I love being a teacher but there are aspects of it that are very oppressive as well mm. um I've I've been very vocal about that for quite some time. One thing that COVID did is it exposed it for people not to ignore it anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, race and money are always the driving things, but in education, it it is destructive. Yep. If you were to go to a school that's predominantly white and see the things that they have versus a school that's predominantly black, and I will say that Carmen Ainsworth, we're about 70% um, BIPOC people so we, we're pretty diverse yep. um, but you can go to another community that, that has a heavy influx of people of color and they are lagging behind in a ton of things. We are too mm. in, in many things. Um, and you just look and you're like, well, why is this district have this and this and this and these different options for kids to have? And then you can drive 20 minutes and go to another school and they are the complete opposite.
0: Mm. It's
1: it's ridiculous. Um, when COVID hit and we needed to do learning at a distance and they're making some of these plans and it's like some of these kids don't have laptops at home. Mm. Some of these kids don't have Wi-Fi at home. You're, you're yeah. making assumptions that these are things they have when teachers have been saying for years, they don't have them, right? Mm. And so what's happened within this educational system is COVID has brought everything like to the front where people are like, you know what, this is not balanced. And then, you know, lots of teachers like me sit back and go, mm, we kind of knew that.
0: Mm.
1: We, ki- we kind of knew it. So what are we gonna do about it though, is is the big thing. So. We are trapped, and I, I would love to hear what happens at other um, parts of the the world of how education is going. I've been reading up on different locations, but um, mm-hmm. we are at a point now where when the fall hits and we have to go back to school, they don't really know what to do.
0: Yep. And
1: I don't know what's going to happen. I'm just sitting here in limbo, to be completely
0: honest. Mm. And And it's... It's very hard because you're putting mm-hmm. your kids back into schools with uh, close contact and, yes. you know, all of the things that are issues. And But then if you've got kids also that are, are not getting education, I, I, I put lives above education. I Absolutely. know that, you know, at the moment it, people are saying, yeah, but these, you know, and, and for Australia we've got um, our, our schools, we took our kids out of school, mm-hmm. you know, about two weeks before the schools shut down because mm-hmm. of the close contact. But... Uh, and now they've just gone back to school for three weeks and now they're on holidays, you know, on a break mm-hmm. again. But um, there were kids that come from domestic violence families, right. you know, that come from very... and, and or, or very uh, disadvantaged homes, mm-hmm. you know, where the kids weren't getting... Uh, food do you know yes. and, and and their only safety and their only feeding was at school and and so there was a lot of what do we do about these kids you know we mm-hmm. shouldn't have them at school and so what they did was they kept the schools open just for the vulnerable kids do, you know mm. and, and, and made it work uh, kept them spaced apart do you know you know but made sure that they were still getting their safe space every day and wow. also for the kids of um, emergency workers so anybody or essential workers so people who couldn't work from home, you know, they were nurses or doctors or, you know, um, essential workers, their kids were allowed to go to school. So
1: That is so interesting because that is not, <laughs> we could not have done that here. No. Wow. We we shut down school. Yeah. And yeah. everything was done at home. Uh, it was, school was open for them to get lunches at our school. And a number oh, of other good. schools, so they you could, but then you would have to find the transportation to come up there and to come get the food, which is of course difficult mm. for some families. Um, but they would give you enough meals for like two or three days. Yeah. So that way you wouldn't have to come every day. So you know that's a yeah. positive. And mm. my school district, if you needed a, a Chromebook to do your work, you could come check it out. But in my school districts, you can only check out one Chromebook for the whole family, like per household. So wow. if you have a household with three and four kids with different schedules, and that Chromebook is the only thing you have, that's incredibly difficult. Mm. And our school's going one-to-one, which means they're gonna get technology. Each kid gets a piece of technology next year, which is going to help. Right. But my brother works for the Flint Community School System. Um, he's not a teacher, but he, he does a lot of things to, to help out Um, He's he's like the connect with parents. He's terrified because he's like, there's not enough technology. These kids, even though they're taking food home, they probably don't have it for later in the day. We don't know what personal hygiene things that can get to them. Mm. I don't know about the abuse. I mean, I'm worried about the same thing. It's terrifying. Like you said, school is a safe space for a number of kids. Mm. But since our COVID numbers blew up the way that they did... No, there was no one in a school building.
0: Yeah, this is—it's you know—it's not just a virus, is it? It's um—you—you've got all these complexities and levels underneath it, and it's um, you know, its i, I don't know—it's—it's it's overwhelming actually. Yes, Do you, you yes, know, it and, is. And, and for people to come up with, uh, everybody's working. I look, everybody's criticizing. This isn't right. That's not right. But at the end of the day, I think everybody's busting their ass to find what Mm -hmm. can we do what can we do what can we do Mm -hmm. Do you you know and 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 had had there been more equality in the first place you know yes we wouldn't I was going to
1: say we wouldn't be that much of a panic if we didn't have these oppressive things that were already in place exactly but it didn't become until it it was something exposed to everyone where people like oh my god there are people who don't have like laptops I'm like yeah you know what i mean like i'm amazed at the number of people who were like what what do you mean they don't have what they don't have wi-fi what are you talking about yeah uh, you can't assume and i might add it's not even just students like it depends mm. on where you live like in michigan we have very rural parts of michigan too where wi-fi isn't as strong right so one of my teacher friends was driving to a a parking lot of a restaurant, I want to say it was either a restaurant or a business, so that the Wi-Fi was strong enough for him to do his lessons for his students. Oh, no. So how is that fair as him as a professional, Mm. driving daily to give his students what they need by using the Wi-Fi of another business? Mm. And that shows our struggle. Like, that's teachers have their struggles of their own, you know, but it it just makes you frown like you said it's very stressful
0: Yep. well kudos to him he obviously loves his kids
1: oh yeah he loves his kids he's he's about to go into administration so i'm i'm excited to see what he'll do but he told me that and i was like oh my god bless you you know what i mean like
0: Mm. yeah
1: to to just do that and
0: because he knew he
1: needed to do it because he knew the kids needed they needed it
0: well thank god there's good teachers
1: yes Yes, you
0: know because they really are like, and you, you included, you know, particularly you, are uh, the saving grace, you know, for a lot of these kids. It's, you know, you're their voice, you're their safe space, you're their, their, their motivator, their inspiration. Like that, you, you know, you, you, your actions keep a lot of these kids together.
1: I just hope people remember that when um, we go back to school, or if you know, school gets interrupted in Australia like i need people to understand like teachers give everything to their kids. Yep. They they give everything they can, anything they possibly can. Most most teachers will give their shirt off their back to their kids. Mm. And but you have to also remember that teachers are human beings and there's so many things that we have that people have just said you just need to deal with it. So like standardized testing, you have to deal with it. Teaching this, you have to deal with it. Kids with their struggles, you have to deal with it. And then of course in America, we had when school shootings were running rampant Mm. and they were like, you know what, teachers, we're gonna give you this training and you watch this video and you pass this certification and you just, you know what, you just deal with it. Protect your kids the best you can. Mm. And I don't know how many other ways you can ask teachers to give up their life.
0: Yeah, I agree.
1: We, we've kind of hit the line like i i give my money to my kids i will buy them whatever they need i take pay cuts because it needs to happen i buy supplies for my classroom knowing that i'm never going to get that money back mm. i'm never going to get it like i'm pouring my financial stability into my students i'm pouring my time into my students i'm pouring like if i'm sick it's it, it would before COVID, of course It's one of those things, teachers are, they're going to go into work sick Mm. because they have to, because they know if they don't, it's going to make their life a little harder. And plus kids need them. Yeah. And then, you know, the last couple of years we focused on, um, you know, drills and, you know, if there's an intruder and, and, and having that extra stress put on you, I can't take on another major stressor. Mm. Like, I just can't, like COVID could kill me yeah yeah and i'm willing to do anything for my kids but when we have you know a society a worldwide society who looks at teachers and go yeah but it's better for the economy if you take them it's better for this it's better for that (laughs) you know what i mean like they're just like just make it work yeah we can't make it work this time like we can't do it
0: yeah it's i think in australia too you know there's a lot of criticism of teachers often you know Mm -hmm. bloody teachers isn't. But this has been fantastic um, having COVID. You know, when I say fantastic, it's been a great opportunity to, because ev- our kids have been at home and everyone's had to homeschool them. And everybody has said, oh my God, mm-hmm. those teachers do a good job.
1: And tell them, remember, we do this for several kids. We don't do it just yeah. for the couple of kids you have at home. Like, I had one person, right. and it was funny because, like, I've been teaching 20 years. So now a number of my original students have their own kids right and they're like sending me messages like miss matthews how did you deal with this (laughs) and i'm like yeah remember i had to teach content and do this five hours a day with 30 of you every single time i was (laughs) like remember that when you're talking about your two kids you can't do i do (laughs) 30 an hour Um, i'm like come on friends that's why i deserve a pay raise that's why I deserve a crown. I was like, all teachers deserve crowns. <laughs> oh. and, and just a little bit of support, a little bit of love. You know, I'm like, people, you don't, If I, I swear if I had people just for a day, I tell people all the time, come do my job for a day. Yep. And you will want to run screaming.
0: Well, I agree. I often say, I don't know how teachers do it. <laughs> I couldn't stand and it. And it's
1: not even necessarily like the kids all the time. Like there's so many <laughs> yeah. other things that are in that day that people yeah. would be like whoa like how how do you answer a zillion like how do you answer hundreds of questions from seven to two yeah i was i was like guys i can be asked like 50 60 questions in an hour that's easy you know and
0: mm-hmm. and
1: you know how do you deal with a kid who's having an emotional like breakdown but you have to still worry about the other kids yeah and you know on all kinds of how do you deal with when you find out that there's something going on in the home, and you have to do a report mm. i was just like that's one of the worst things you ever have to do it's terrible yeah. I was like people would never if i had i would love for like a politician to just come and do my job for a week
0: <laughs> they wouldn't last they w- an no hour. <laughs> they wouldn't last they would not last
1: by half day they'd be tapping out there, n- there's no yeah. way <laughs>
0: Oh dear, um. Now, also on your, uh, you know, you, you, your teaching is magnificent. Your activism is magnificent, but you're also an author. So, and you wrote the book, uh, three eighteen, a chubby chick's tale of weight loss surgery. Uh-huh. So, there's also been that um, that battle. There
1: has. I I have medical battles, I have medical battles. I um, one of the reasons why I I keep myself so busy is. I, I do have medical issues that have plagued me for, jeez, probably since my teenage years. Wow. Um, 318 is funny because um, I had the gastric band put in um, to prevent me from gaining more weight. And weight gain comes from many things. Like Part of it is like stress eating, um, but also another part of it is I suffer from um, endometriosis. Mm wow and um i also have um, pcos with polycystic ovarian syndrome so when you have reproductive problems and you are constantly taking medication for it Mm. you can't help but gain weight and so i've gained weight my weight has always been a struggle for me um ever since probably it probably kicked in when i went to college to be completely honest um i have gone through so many medical hoops um, that like in college, I gained a ton of weight in college because I was taking birth control pills at a higher dosage. Mm. So when you're taken at a higher dosage and you're gaining that weight and then you have the stress of college, you have the stress of all these things and you have to find a vice for it and then your vice becomes food. Um, And it's just like this, it's just this concoction of so many different things. So Mm. um, I've had the gastric ban for, I want to say 10 years now. Um, My mom is the one who told me to write it down. Uh, She's like, you've, you've gone through so many different things leading up to the decision and also like your life after. Um, she's like, you should really write it. And so I wrote it down mm. and I'm glad I wrote it down. It was, I mean, it's, it's not easy doing weight loss surgery. A lot of people think like, oh, that you do that and your life is easy. Like I'm still not skinny. Mm. Um, but I also know that I'm, I've monitored myself where it's not gotten out of control, but there's also a lot of bias towards people who do it and there's a lot of fear. And so I wrote that. Um, I do a lot of writing for, um, therapy.
0: (laughs) Well, you're good at it. Yeah.
1: (laughs) So it's just like, you know, like the poetry collection therapy, 318 therapy, um, different things that happen in the classroom with with blogging that was me kind of helping other people right now of course with all the craziness going on in the world I'm writing again for therapy (laughs) 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 it's just what helps me get through Uh, but yeah it was it was cool to write 318 and and put it out there for the world to kind of read my mom learned a lot about me in reading that book Mm. um which was really both of the books actually Um, my mom didn't read my poetry collection i i want to say she didn't read it for the first two years when it came out wow and um and then just just you know she was trying to get herself because i mean it's it's very personal and she knew it would be things that she didn't know about her daughter and um she kind of i think she read them back to back if i remember correctly And she called me and she was just like, there's so many struggles I didn't know you had. Wow. And she's like, I read it and I know you're my daughter. And there were a lot of things that I'm like, yeah, yeah, yep, yep, that's her. She goes, but there were so many different burdens that you just carried. And she's like, there's a part of me that's very proud that you carried it well, but there's a part of me that scares me that you carried it so well. Mm. And, you know, it was a way for me to open up for her and for others but especially for her
0: yeah and it's it's I think there's a lot of fear in writing a book you know people and or and not just fear people say why would I write a book no one wants to listen what I've got to say you know it's just my story it's Mm -hmm. not interesting but you've already you've already hit on one thing you know that it for those close to you it gives them another perspective you know Mm -hmm. you know they can really see who that person is because often we don't talk about things like that because we try to keep things a bit more you know, um, a bit of a, at a higher level. Do you know? Oh, yeah, how's your day? Good. You know that's sort of mm-hmm. thing. But, but also there might just well there will be. I know there will be because I know how the universe works. That 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 book will have definitely helped at least one person, if right. not multiple people. And yeah. it's it's the whole feeling of. um not not feeling alone do you, mm-hmm. you know it's because a lot of people really get into depressive states or anxiety states you know because they feel alone which is yeah. not the truth and they probably know it's not the truth but that's how they feel it and, is. and when something like this is available do you know and it's a personal story and it's not a doctor telling you yes. how to lose weight um it's, it's people feel connected and they feel like there's hope for me yes. you know something can change for me so I yes. think it's brilliant
1: I hope that it helps. I've had a couple people who have read it and, and they've gone, you know, I really needed to hear that someone else was struggling. Yeah. And one of the things about, and I will say for anyone who's listening who's like, I kind of want to write, but I don't know, just write it down first. Yeah. Beca- because no one has an experience like you. Um, There will yeah. be some similarities that someone might read in and be like, oh, yeah, you know. Yeah. Yeah. But it's still your experience. Like no one has your voice. No one has your lens. It's yep. important for you to put it down. And I have no problems. I was terrified um, to put that book out. I was terrified for all the stuff I've put out, to be honest. But <laughs> um, when I think, I think 318 might have been the most terrifying thing I put out poetry is a little different because it's so many different aspects that I can put. And there are a couple of things in there that I was like, if my daddy reads this, he's going to have a fit, you know what I mean? (laughs) Kind of thing. Um, But you know, it is, it's like, it's a passing moment. 318 was really scary. Um, I think the, the work I'm working on right now is very scary as well. Um, Thank goodness. One thing I would suggest to people is get yourself a writing partner that will push you to do this um because i have a writing partner that i literally just met in november Um, we're bffs now we don't know how this happened but it just happened Um, and he doesn't even live near me he lives in maryland yep but he was thinking about writing and we're having a conversation and he's like do you write and i was like yeah i have some books and he's like what are you talking about you know and um i had stopped writing consistently for the last couple years i don't i really don't know why um but there's a lot of still fear like you said sharing your story on different things yeah yeah. but i've been lucky enough to find my writing companion slash bff and scott pushes me to write things down like Mm -hmm. he's just like i'm your first space where you shouldn't have any fear to say what you need to. And I might add, like, Scott's a white male. Um, So I know, like, when I'm sharing these things, the the new project I'm working on right now um, is called Black Soul Scars.
0: And I'm
1: writing about the times I was scarred as a Black girl in education. Yep. Because I think that's needed. I think there's a lot of people who have been absolutely either deflated, humiliated, all these different things in education. Yep. And I was one of those, but I'm still an educator. Like I still chose to go in that path. Mm-hmm. So for me to openly write about it will give not only those who have been scarred an opportunity to go, oh my God, I'm not alone. Like she's a teacher and she still has them but mm-hmm. it also gives an audience especially white educators a glimpse into those things that they think aren't harmless yep that are actually things that black students carry with them for years so i'm writing it and letting scott read it like i said shout out to scott cuz he's that's my boy mm-hmm. um and i'm letting scott read it because i know he's one of my he is my white accomplice in many things but yep. he also is a white educator, yep. so he can see it and listen to it and be like, whoa, or be like, okay, can you make this a little bit more clear for me to, for it to make sense, you know, for yeah, for it to true. hit home. And so hopefully if I find the funding to put it out, um, I want to do like 10, like a series of 10 different scars mm. that I carry. Wow. As as a black woman, as a black student in education that I'm like, I have to tell my scars so I can inspire others to just talk about it, heal from it. I, can't, I will never say let it go because I'll never let go of the scars that I have. But also white educators to go, OK, yeah, I got to check myself a little bit.
0: Gee, it should be, you know, a, a, something that could become a, a must read for teachers in going through university, you know, before yeah. they before they hit the classroom. It's...
1: Yeah. I was gonna do just one at first, but then Scott was like, I think you need to do a series of them and he's just like, Do you have multiple scars? And I'm like, Yeah. And it's like in the classroom, um, in sports um, like the one I just finished up writing, like the very first one I wrote was about junior year. The second one that I wrote was about first grade mm.
0: and so young.
1: yeah, and, and it's just like these, these things that happen that you literally like this, it might scab over, but it doesn't 100% heal. And yeah. so he's yeah. been able to talk me into thinking of different directions and, um, kind of think of different themes to hit. So that way, if a teacher, like, especially like if I'm a newer teacher or if I'm an experienced teacher, that I'm seeing these different themes that just keep happening, that probably are affecting my, my students of color, my black students in front of me, that I need to kind of look at myself and go, if I've done it, I won't continue to do it.
0: Yep. Wow. That's powerful. I can't wait to see that one. Wow.
1: Hopefully. Goal next year. Yeah, I hope goal is next year. Like I said, I just got to figure out how to get it out there because self-publishing is expensive. Um, But I just think it's something that needs, I've never really read anything. I wish I would have read that going into education. Um, Mm. I, I, I know there's like, there's all these very scientific written books that are out there that they make you know, educators read, but it's just like there needs to be some very open and honest
0: mm.
1: conversations about how, to, how do you need to be more anti-bias and how do you need to be more anti-bias and how do you need to be more anti-racist?
0: Yeah.
1: And wow. usually those conversations don't just happen. So if I write something maybe to inspire conversations, that's the right way to make change.
0: Hmm. Oh, I think it's um, wonderful. I was uh, going to finish off with now this podcast is about get off the bench and what advice would you give? And you have gotten off the bench like in multiple, multiple arenas. But um, And I think let's just go down the riding path because that's your thing. How, or, or whatever, how, whatever. How would you, what advice would you give to people to just get up, do the thing they want to do and stop sitting on the bench?
1: Oh, just don't wait. <laughs> I think that's the number one thing we we worry about what other people will think of us, mm. and we stress about how hard it will be, yep. and and we convince ourselves to stay seated. Yep. So our biggest obstacle is ourself.
0: Yep, I agree.
1: And so if you just go, I'm going to do this. I'm gonna like research, talk put into action speak it into existence if we're going to go you know black church way you know a lot of things it's like speak it into existence it you have to just get up because as soon as you get up and you get going you're not going to want to stop yep and if you do want to stop and you sit down then maybe that wasn't the right path for you but you need to think of a different path
0: yep and how much better do you feel when you're actually doing what yes. you love doing? Yes. You, you, you come to life. You yes. really do. And you stop thinking, what if, what if, what if, You yep. just get on with it.
1: Yes, because people are going to talk about you. Yeah, they are. That's, that's the thing that I, I have learned over the last five years. Like Everyone listening needs to know, yes, they're going to talk about you. I have had people rip me to shreds, but I don't have time to listen to them or care about them. Yep. I you need to just get up and move forward. If you're not moving forward, then what kind of life are you really living?
0: Mm. Yep. And people talking about you, generally, they only talk about you till the next big thing comes exactly. along, which could be two minutes in some cases. So they
1: they just want to talk. They're gonna talk. So yeah, that's right. <laughs> go talk all you like, but I I tell kids, and it's funny because they laugh at this, but they always remember this quote. I tell kids. I don't have time for haters because they're always behind me. Good. And they were like, what do you mean they're always, I was like, you know, people who talk about you, post about you. I was like, I'm busy moving forward. I have never seen a hater ahead of me.
0: Ah, good. I was like, I've never seen that.
1: Haters are behind me talking behind my back, behind me typing away on small screens. But if I'm a person who my focus is always moving forward. I I don't see haters in front of me. I was like, I don't care about haters. They're, they're nowhere near me. They're behind me. Yep. They're, they get even more farther behind me because I'm moving, yep. I'm moving forward. Love it. I was like, so if you stay there and you listen to haters and you argue with them and you want to debate with them, they have surrounded you mm-hmm. just like they want to and they have stopped your momentum. I don't have time
0: mm-hmm. in
1: this world to stop. Well. Wow. Like you've painted Go. Tell people goop and go. <laughs> you,
0: you you've painted that. Like I can I can literally see that. Like you, you're very good with words. Very good with words. That's <laughs> such a good picture. And it's so true and it's just it's bloody wonderful. Well, I'm going to have to wrap it up, but I have loved speaking with you, Jess. It's just been oh, um thank you. Oh, it's been so it's been so true, honest, warming, you, you know, it's just as as humans should connect, you know, on a on a really right. raw, it's... honest level and just um you've got so much to give and I'm I'm just I'm so honored actually to have you on the podcast and to share your message and you know, I I really hope that people I know people will listen and connect with what you're saying and you know it'll make a really big difference and I'm I'm so, I'm so blessed thank you
1: I appreciate you for giving me this space to have to have such an amazing and open conversation hmm. I just I hope that others will make space and wherever they are make space to have conversations like this.
0: I, I think I think we've probably inspired that opening up for people. So uh, I'm really, really happy to to use what I've got to, you know, to make the world a better place and for to have people Thank like you. you to, you know, to to encourage that or to, you know, to I guess fulfill all the places that I'm trying to mm-hmm create you know fill those spaces. you're doing it right thank you
1: you're doing it right thank you for being here you are doing things right well
0: so are you and I appreciate you <laughs> Ah, that's awesome. Well, I'll let you get back to your warm, sticky, um, hot Michigan evening. Oh my evening. gosh. Well,
1: evening's coming. I'm hoping the sun goes down in the next like three hours because, oh my goodness.
0: <laughs> and, I, and I've made you sit in a hot room without air conditioners. Sorry about that. <laughs> it's
1: like, yeah, I, clo- I did. I closed the door. So the air, I, I'm going to run out to the air. No worries. But um, yeah, I'm like, Whoo, this room got warm with this closed up
0: door, but it's okay. <laughs> Well, I'll let, I'll let you have freedom now and enjoy the all right. Thank you, but thank you thank so you very so much. much. Oh, thank you, and I'll catch up with you soon. Thank you. Okay, okay. bye bye. See ya. Take care. Bye. Oh, guys, how was that? Seriously, what what an incredible person Jess is. What you're saying about the Flint water crisis, about the Black Lives Matter, you know and. It, it's such, impo- such an important topic, and such important things that we've really got to start thinking about. What she said about getting up, writing your book, and about haters—you know, all of that stuff—just such such a good person. I hope, really hope that what she said has inspired you, and you know, made you think about taking action, stepping up, doing that thing that you really want to do. This this is just fantastic. So you can find Jessica now. Her name is spelt. It's Jessica Matthews and it's spelt J-E-S-S-Y-C-A and Matthews just with one T, M-A-T-H-E-W-S. So she's Jessica Matthews, all one word, at Twitter and Facebook. And at Instagram, she is J-E-S underscore the underscore activist. So go check her out and give her some love. Anyway, guys, I'll leave it with you. Thank you so much for joining me every week. I truly appreciate it. And I will catch you next week. See ya. Hey, thanks for joining me. It really does mean the world to me. Now, if you or somebody you know is doing amazing things, make sure you send me an email to info at getoffthebench.com.au. That's info at getoffthebench.com.au. Otherwise, head on over to my website at kerenvaughan.com and tinker around there a bit and send me a message. Okay, catch you next week.